Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frank Flood. And I'm Scott Eisberg. And we are newlyweds who like to shoot the shit about movies. We do. We do like to shoot the shit about <laughs> the movies. The look on your face right now is horrifying. <sighs> Guys, I'm excited about this episode. We just had so much fun watching this movie. <laughs> we had fun, but oh my god, it was rough too. No, it was super rough. So <laughs> if you watched or listened to, rather, our last episode, we kind of teased that we were going to be doing some stinkers the next couple episodes. Yes. And oddly enough, both of the stinkers that Scott and I picked for each other had the same clue, which was Turtle. Yes. Now, I'm sure you guys have been just biting your nails, wondering what, what oh, what could that is mean? The, is the movie that Frankie's going to be showing Scott and vice versa? Well, this week we sat down and watched. 2002's classic Master of Disguise. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, now, god. in just to clarify like how ridiculous this is, like I own this film on DVD. Do you, do you want to admit that to the podcast? I mean, it's, it's it's part of my history. It's it's a mistake that I've made in my life. But honestly, after watching it, I'm glad I own it because <laughs> I enjoyed making fun of this shitty fucking movie. But, you know, making liking so bad it's good movies, I feel like it's kind of an acquired taste. Yes. Once you get the taste, you're like a vampire, you just can't stop. My thing is with bad movies, and the reason I like watching bad movies mm-hmm. is if you always watch good movies, you'll never know what's good. Yeah, you'll never truly appreciate a good movie, unless you've seen some stinkers. Like, if you see a bad movie, you, you, it's like a palate cleanser. It's like, it, re- That's it true. sends you back to it's, zero. It's nice to kind of turn your brain off and just enjoy, like, a ridiculous... Because also, like, certain movies that are so bad they're good, you watch them in the mind frame of, like, how did they make this? Like, how did they seriously put money into this? Well, there's a lot of times where you should and make you know, this movie. And this is a great example of that master of the Like, how did you go so wrong to get to this point? Yeah. Like, there was not one point where you were like, even, because all movies are usually screened before an audience, before you show them to, like, the actual right, public. Right, yeah. So no one in that audience was like, you know, this no, is I'm rough, sure guys. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. Like, this is rough. But it was at that point, it probably was, like, unsalvageable, so they kind of had to just put it out. But, um... Full disclosure, I, I do own this movie. This movie came out when I was, like, about 10, and I actually did enjoy this movie. And watching it again, because I haven't seen it for years, but, like, it's understandable why I probably liked it as a kid, because it's so, like, it's almost like a cartoon, how slapsticky it is, but then it has, like, these adult references all over the place, and it's very odd. Like, I don't know who they made this movie for, but, yeah, it exists. And it's one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, it's, I think, number 54 on IMD's bot- IMDb's bottom 100. So, it's it's notoriously bad. Um, yeah. You, did you, do you know what it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, yeah. Do you have it written down? Well, it's, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, so on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is a whopping 1%. Boom. <laughs> and then the audience score is 33. So, the average score for this film is 17%. And just to put it in perspective, like, The Room, which is, like, the most notorious So Bad It's Good movie, has a rating of, like, roughly, like, 30-something, like, the average. And so this is, like, even worse than The Room. (laughs) 
true. That's impossible. If you go by Rotten Tomatoes standards. So just to give a little background, this movie was made in 2002. It was directed by Perry Andalyn Blake. This is the only movie he ever directed. I wonder why. He was he, He's primarily like a production designer on a lot of the Happy Madison movies, like Jack and Jill, Ridiculous Six, those kind of movies. Like, he's a Happy Madison guy. Like this, this, Yes, this is a Happy oh. Madison movie, which we don't know is Adam Sandler's production company. Like... When did when did Happy Ma- it started after Billy Madison? I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Because you have to have Happy well, Gilmore and I Billy guess, Madison after. Yeah. Because Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, had to I guess, exist. were like his two biggest like. Yeah, well, they had breakout to... movies, and then he could make but his own production what, company. I guess. So we, I wanted to look up because Happy Madison made this movie. Yes. And I wanted to look up what was the first movie of the Happy Madison regime. Oh God, the regime. <laughs> Like, fucking the Nazis. Are we comparing Happy <laughs> Madison to Nazism? No. But let's let's go through this just real quick. Just cause, so, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Fine. I'll, I'll put that in the positive column. Will you? For now. We're going to get a lot of negatives. So. Okay, I question your judgment there, but okay. Little Nicky. And, again, that's a movie that I liked as a kid, but looking back, it's like, that's a awful movie. Where are you from? The South? Yes. The deep south. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. Joe Dirt. I love Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt's fine. The Animal. I don't know what that is. Rob Schneider starred in The Animal. Okay. That's, as soon as you said Rob Schneider, I fell asleep. Rob Schneider starred. God, stop it. Are we going through all these? Let's not. No. Mr. Deeds, The Master of Disguise, Eight Crazy Nights, The Hot Chick, Anchor Management, Dickie Roberts, Former Child Star. Yeah, there's not a lot of good things in here. Yeah, well, what a shock. <laughs> there's a joke there, too? So, yeah, that came out on Netflix. God. So, um, this Master of Disguise was written by Dana Carvey, who's, this is the only writing credit. As well as uh, a Harris Goldberg, who wrote the Deuce Bigelow movies, which you so lovingly uh, I, I said refer they were, to. I said they were fine. In Happy Madison's negative connotation, they're better. Okay. I mean, yeah, this is a, a recipe for disaster, guys. Um, so, you know how I, I am about awards. I'm all about looking up the, the awards. And shockingly, this movie was not nominated for any Oscars. However, <laughs> it was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress for Bo Derek. Yes, Bo Derek's in this movie for, for like five, five seconds, seconds, but it was enough to a Razzie nomination. And it was also nominated for the Stinker Bad Movie Awards for Worst Actor, Worst Accent, all for Dana Carvey, Worst Picture, and it won for... Most painfully unfunny comedy, but guess what? It tied. You want to know what it tied with? What? Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Oh, God. Which I've never heard of until very recently when I looked this up. Oh, I've heard it. I've watched Kung Pao Enter the Fist. I watched it in college. Okay. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I want to know what it is. First, a joke. What do you get when you cross an owl with a bungee cord? 
my ass. <laughs> Enough. I think it's better than this, but not much better. Um, no, technically, this movie did make a profit. It did actually. The budget was sixteen million, which oh, okay. the budget was sixteen million. It made forty three point four million. That's okay. I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> It is a profitable it's movie. It's like, literally, the movie itself is maybe, like, a little over an hour long, and then it fills up to, like, 80 minutes with, like, bloopers and stuff. So, I don't know, like, how... Yeah, no, just, kind of blooper reel. I, I don't even... Uh, we're gonna get there, guys. But anyway, so, I, I thought we would get into the nitty-gritty. Before we do, I thought it'd be fun, because I, I thought... You know, this is a new uh, avenue we're taking in Shoot the Flick with uh, watching some stinkers, which we do love to do. But I thought it'd be fun to look up some of the reviews for this movie. Okay. Uh, and I thought, you know, I, I wrote down some of uh, the the more colorful ones, okay. and I thought we could uh, we could read them throughout the our, our review here. Okay. But uh, I figured we'd start off with one before we get into okay. the nitty gritty, and I feel I feel like we should start with one of the greats. So we'll start with Roger Ebert's review. <sighs> <clears throat> and I quote The movie is like a party guest who thinks he's funny but is very wrong. <laughs> oh how right you are, Mr. Ebert. <laughs> he is very right. I mean yeah, this movie and we'll see it as as we go through the review here and our our summary of it. But Literally just this guy at a party, like, trying to do, like, funny little impressions and party tricks for people. And everyone's just like, oh, God, can you just go home already? They're, like, secretly, oh, uh, yeah, that's really good, bro. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah Chen, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you right off. Come, uh, yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go talk to, I gotta talk to Chen over there. It's just a never-ending parade of impressions that aren't good. And it's, uh, anyway. So, um... Yeah, let's let's get into this, guys. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, goodness, Harvey. Okay, so we open up with some narration from Harold Gould, who plays the grandfather in this film. And if you don't know who Harold Gould is, I know him from Golden Girls. Oh. <laughs> he plays Miles on Golden Girls. That's who I know him from. And he's he's adorable. He's a very sweet, cute old man. I felt I would. Be unfaithful to Charlie if I slept with you. Rose, it's not silly. I felt that way when my wife died. You did? Absolutely. Of course, I didn't let that stop me. <laughs> and we get, it's in bold lettering. Yes, it's very serious. And Scott immediately was like, they're taking themselves way too seriously right off the bat. And that, that sentiment goes away pretty quickly, I think. But, so he does this uh, very booming narration about the Disguisey family. And it By the goes, way, yeah. terrible. Uh, yeah, it's terrible so stupid. Name. It's really dumb. But anyway, we're going to be saying that a lot. <laughs> so, they go back to the past, I think in like the 70s or something, in Italy. In 1979, Palmero, Italy. Palermo. Palermo. Fucking whitey. Palmero. Palmero. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we get the Bo Derek cameo. Um, her basically running out of, like, some huge Italian mansion and basically being, like, a superhero. I don't understand it. <laughs> she flies. She literally flies. She, she flies. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. So, yeah, she 
jumps into like this car, this getaway car, and she's driving away and uh, in the back seat. And all of a sudden, she grabs her face and essentially rips off her face to reveal a young, quote unquote, James Brolin playing Fabrizio. James Brolin, you deserve better. I mean, he's a legend. He's been in the business like since the sixties. He still deserved better than this. And now, yeah, this is this is where he's at in the early two thousands. I don't I don't know how we got here, but thank God your son with all the great things. <laughs> I, I think it's his son, I Josh Rowland. I assume. I mean, he kind of looks like him. Anyway, so yeah, so <laughs> John, James Brolin has now ripped off his Bo Derek face in the backseat of a car, and you hear Harold Gould's voice say to James Brolin, you have to tell your son about his destiny. And James Rowland goes, I cannot tell him about his destiny. I will I'm it. doing this over-the-top Italian accent because they also do this over-the-top Italian accent. Ah, uh, scusi. Babbidi-boopi. Che cosa? Peter, what are you doing? Speaking Italian. Babbidi-boopi. Babbidi-boopi-babbidi-babbidi. As does Dana Carvey, who we meet next. So they, And they, none of them are Italian. I assume not. <laughs> but anyway, so we fast-forward... To like 30 years in the future and whatever i oh, fuck it i don't care i did the math so we oh my god so we meet dana carvey who plays pistachio yes his, his name, name is, is pistachio. pistachio i can't anymore <laughs> and it's only five minutes in so we meet pistachio James Brolin is, like, knocking on his door and, like, hey, Pistachio, you gotta come down and work in the restaurant, because now they, he doesn't do disguise-y stuff anymore. No, he's anymore. not a spy anymore. Yeah, he, he owns an Italian restaurant. Yeah. And Pistachio is a waiter. It's secret agent becomes restaurateur. So, he opens the door, and our introduction to Dana Carvey, our star, our hero of this film, is a grown man who's supposed to be playing a guy in his 20s who looks at least in his late 30s. Older. Early 40s. Older. Mid 40s. 47. Late 40s. Okay. Great. We're on, we're on a great, <laughs> great footing, guys. So a grown man with a hockey stick in hand, shaving cream beard, and underwear upon his head. Yeah. In a very, um, almost effeminate Italian, not even Italian accent voice. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Yeah. The accent. I really don't. It was a very odd choice. I mean, it makes sense that he won an award for worst accent. Oh, I don't even, it was that the one that won the accent, or Dana was, Carvey? Well, I, I knew he got, but was it I that mean, one? All or? of them, I guess. <laughs> just so many. That's true. Um. So worst yeah. Worst accent in a movie. And then we meet his mother, played by Edie McClurg, and uh, she's just. Uh, I, he, Scotty made a comment of like, how did James Rowland and her fuck and make Dana Carvey? I don't have an answer. No, for I that. don't have an answer. I really don't. She was kind of pointless in this whole fucking movie. Just, oh, yeah, she, she does She really nothing. does nothing. She's in maybe like all of five minutes of it altogether. She she is a device to control James Brolin. It's very. It's, but then she like fights back and is fine and it's like, what? You could have done that the whole time. So, um, the, uh, so Pistachio 
goes downstairs into the restaurant and he meets he ends up meeting this little kid who uh can't skateboard yeah he falls over on a skateboard that's a gag i don't know uh his name is barney and uh this poor young actor austin wolf i think his name yes, is yes it is his name he just looks terrified the, the whole, whole time. time and i I, I don't, it's not acting, kids. It's just, I think the actor is just questioning his parents' choices to put him in Hollywood. One of my favorite parts is, so he falls off the skateboard here. Uh-huh. <laughs> he falls off, he goes, I'm fine, I'm fine. He gets up, he looks perfectly fine. Doesn't, you know, and like, oh, you okay, little boy, you okay? And the guy goes, oh, pistachio, why don't you do, the random guy, why don't you do one of your random voices for the kid? To cheer him up, I'm like the kid's not crying. Stashio, why don't you do one of your funny voices and cheer the kid up? What an excellent idea, Bernardo. Yes, yes. I do for you now a scene from the hit motion picture Shrek. You ready? Okay. Why don't you get away from me, donkey? What you talk about? Get away from you? I'm making waffles. The kid does seem upset. Yeah, the kid seems <laughs> totally fine. And like. This is where, one of the many examples of where they referenced several better movies throughout this movie. Like, he does a Shrek impression, Dan Carvey, and it's like, okay. Yeah, he, he does Donkey and Shrek. Yeah, it's like, okay. like, And you'll see it throughout the movie. Like, he does so much. Like, they do a lot of references to movies that are leaps, leaps and bounds better than this movie. Oh, yeah. I guess in an effort to try and elevate it and make it funny. I don't know. It doesn't work. No. <laughs> but then we get Dana Carvey in the restaurant and he, like, we get the first, well, not the first, but the, I guess the first, like, big example of, like, the slapsticky comedy in this. This is why I don't really understand, like, the tone that they're going for. Yeah. Because they, they do so much slapstick. Like, okay, in the restaurant... He has these two big trays full of food, plates of spaghetti, yeah. and he is tripped by another waiter in the restaurant who's like a bully, and he falls over, and he drops these, uh, supposedly, I would assume, steaming plates of food on yeah, these patrons in the restaurant. Who don't and react to it at all. They are just stone stiff, just staring <laughs> with spaghetti all over them, and Dana Carvey, like, fumbles over, and like, I wipe it off, and da 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 with his stupid ass voice. <gasps> and it's like, okay, this is supposed to be like slapsticky and funny, ha ha ha, for the kids. Like, okay, ha ha. But then, like, later in the movie, there are so many, like, adult references. I just, I don't yeah. understand oh, what yeah. they were trying to make this thing for. Yeah, it didn't really make any sense. But yeah, so yeah, he spills the, he spills the spaghetti on these people who don't react. Mm-hmm. Don't move. Then he goes over. Oh, to- he goes over to this other couple and starts. This is where we get the mocking thing. So he like kind of goes into this Dana Carvey's pistachio. He kind of like goes into this weird like it's almost they play it off like it's like some weird like mental tick where he like, goes into once like once he gets this, bullied he ski yeah, he goes into like yeah it's it's like and he starts mocking the customers. And it's, By doing their voice. Yeah, and it's like, okay. And it, I think the intent is to make it seem like, okay, he's born, he, his destiny is to be a disguise but it just comes off like he's mentally ill. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, 
no one else does this. Like his father, who's also supposed to be a master of disguise, doesn't do this. The grandfather, who we see later, doesn't do this. So it's like you are just sick in your head. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you're, and you're mocking, you're mocking these this one guy who's a Texan and like his New York wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he starts like doing their voices at them, and like they get up to like fight David Carvey. Yeah, yeah James yeah. Brolin steps in and goes. If you have a fight with my son, you can get the fuck out, basically. And then they sit down and don't leave. <laughs> and then we get the, the <laughs> Papa Don't Preach joke. Oh my god. Scott loved that one. Oh. Literally, like, like the father is just, like, talking to Pistachio. He's like, oh, you know, son, you can't do the muffin thing. It's not good. No, no, no. Your destiny is here in the restaurant. Da, 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 da. And then he's like, okay, Papa. Deadpan. Yes. <laughs> Deadpan goes, Papa Don't Preach. I'm in trouble deep, but not keeping my baby. Yeah, deadpan. It is... And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like... I, 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 it, it took me about five minutes to get over this. There were a lot of um, Scotty... Fi- I Honestly, I could have, like... I recited a lot of the lines from this movie. I remembered a lot. I was very surprised at myself. But Scotty had a lot of face palms in this, which made me laugh even more. I actually... If you you could probably still see know, like the hand red. mark on my face. That one hurt a lot, though. Oh God, that one. So, hurt. Pistachio then like go. You see Pistachio go into like an alley or something, and you see he sees his girlfriend making out with the bully waiter oh, yeah. that was tripping like that tripped him before, and then he like kind of. Like saunters off, like oh okay. Oh, she has the best line in the oh, entire yeah, movie. Oh yeah, she tells him like, "Look, pistachio, <laughs> your your fucking accents and funny faces—they were funny for like five seconds, <laughs> and now they're not. You're fucking annoying, basically." Is she, what she was says. all the audience. And then he leaves, and uh, he somehow ends up on the roof of the restaurant, and he sees his parents getting kidnapped yes. randomly. Uh, um, uh, what's the term he used? Burglarized? No. Rents. Rents. Yes. <laughs> and then, for some reason, he's, like, freaking out, and he's holding a cannoli, because, you know, Italians, they like to hold cannolis, I guess. Speak I don't know. Speak to me, cannolis. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I just didn't understand. And then he's calling the police, and then he and passes the out. And the police hang out. Hang out. Uh, don't call back. He, he, does he pass out? I don't know. It's weird. It's very odd. Yeah, the transitions in this are also very it's, yeah. bonkers. And then... We get Harold Gould coming, like, on the bus, uh, and it references The Exorcist. Yeah. Again, better movie than this. <laughs> so he comes over, and he's like, I will help you. You must know your destiny. And he explains, like, the disguisey legacy. He <laughs> he basically becomes, like, a Latino or a Latina maid. Yeah. To kind of show like their powers of the yeah, of disguise, and, and I looked at Frankie. I'm like, this poor woman got paid to have Dana Carvey oh, just yes, stretch and mess with her face. Jolly Latina woman. Ugh, I mean, I mean, you know, you gotta get paid. <laughs> but like, ugh, you gotta make that money. But then at one point, Harold Gould says a really funny line. He, like, Pistachio is like doing his with like funny faces and like talking gibberish, and he just goes. I'm begging you, Cub, your yammering skull came. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Was that, was good. <laughs> that was like one of the only genuinely good lines in the movie. Yeah, the grandfather had some good moments. 
I just, I actually like, yeah, again, Golden Girls, I can't help it, but <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, so basically he explains that the disguises over centuries have used their quote-unquote powers to, like, save the world, yada, 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 and like, they make a Lincoln joke in this. They make a Washington joke? Yeah. A Lincoln joke. A Lincoln joke is probably the worst, because it literally is just, like, Lincoln gets, like, tired or something, so he doesn't want to do a speech, so he goes off and tags I'm out. pretty sure it's the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, and then he goes on stage as disguise disguised as Lincoln, and he, it turns into, like, an early 2000s, like, it turns Dance into party. Move It, Move It yeah. by the Baja Men. Like, it's so... This movie is so early 2000s. <laughs> oh, and if you were alive in the early the 2000s, to, like, you know, where you were, like, little, little... Like, if you were, like, in our generation, you know what I'm saying when I say it's very early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, so obvious. There was some rough quality in there. Oh, boy. But, yeah, there's... There's a lot of, like, kind of, like, che not cheesy, but, like, kind of cheapo one-liners in here that, like, are so synonymous with this movie. Like, if you know this movie, if you knew it when it came out, like, they had the, this is what you're doing, this is what I want you to do. Like, the shutting up thing. They did that, like, four with, uh, times. With the little hand, like, yeah. They, yeah, there's a lot of recurring gags in this. But anyway, so... The grandpa basically sits down with Pistachio and gives him the Book of Disguise, which is basically the big rule book, very specific rule book, and it's pop up because it's fu that's funny, right? It's the pop up book. Ah! That give that like spells out what he has to do. Yeah, but it basically says that like because Pistachio's like, oh, we'll find Mama and Papa together. And he's like, oh, no, I can't. The book says I cannot directly help you. But meanwhile, later in the movie... He directly helps him. He, not even, but, like, kind of. It's very weird. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So, anyway. Oh, so the grandpa's like, show me to your father's nest. And he's oh, like, oh, sure. well, he hangs out in the attic a lot. Let's go to the attic. So they, like, basically go to the attic. They find this phallic-ass, like, oh. lever. Oh, very phallic. They yank it, and, like, this whole, like, it secret gets bigger, wakes gets, up. Oh. Yeah, it's, like... By the way, side note... Rude how... Goldberg machine oh, so yeah, on yeah. crack. Oh, yeah. Side note. How do people hide, like, giant layers? Like, Bruce Wayne has a mansion, at least, to hide it underneath. I mean, yeah. But, like... I mean, this isn't a I normal guess, apartment building. But they're probably rich. They've been spying forever. Legacy of spying. They're probably rich. The disguises. I guess, but I mean, who knows? Who cares? Let's not listen Sorry. to the logic too much of this because you're God. Yeah, and when like the thing opens, the 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 nest, like Dana Carvey's face is just lit up, oh. and it's like, it's like, it's oh, it's like the dumbest like little kid shitting for the first time face. It's like, oh, insane. I don't understand it. So then we get this montage, uh, this training montage, uh, and it's it's over uh, an early 2000s hit, because, you know, a lot of these movies around this time had, like, a kind of pop song, like, tied to the movie. That so has a rap break in the middle. It does. So this song, I have to mention it because I remember it so vividly from my childhood watching this movie. So this song is 
Master of Disguise. And it's done by the Swedish pop group Play, who is big for like five minutes. In early 2000s. Do they have another song? Uh, they have. You're not gonna know it because it's a girl band, but Cinderella. I don't wanna be no Cinderella. Oh, I remember that song. That song is them too. I don't know if it was them originally, but they did a cover of it or a version of it, whatever. So, yeah, they were big for like five seconds, and they're in, in this movie forever. They're immortalized in Master of Disguise. So, yay. congratulations! <laughs> Thank God. Um. So after the training montage, we do get like officially introduced to our villain. He did show up in the first scene in Palermo, or Pol- Palmero, as Scott would say. I, it was an accident. Um, so our villain is named Devlin Bowman, and he's played by Brent Spiner. And if you don't know who that is, he plays Data on Star Trek. That's his probably most oh, notable he plays Data. Okay. role. You have often expressed dissatisfaction with the Spartan nature of my quarters. Is this an attempt at embellishment? The cat's out of the bag. <laughs> Spot. Um, and I, I, yeah, he seems like I'm not a Star Trek gal, but he seems like a good actor. He has been around. For like he seems ever. notable in that role, so. Oh yeah. He, he must be good to some extent. He, oh yeah. Um, he, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I'm not a huge Star Trek. I'm sure should David's the robot. Yeah, yeah, he's an android. Android, yeah. you, you, same difference. Um, it's not. Um, I know. Don't get on me. So, Don't at me on that. Okay. <laughs> so essentially. He wants revenge uh, because he blames uh, jo- uh, Josh Brolin. He blames James Brolin for him going to prison after, like, the beginning yes. debacle in the first season. Because James Brolin was Bo Derek who got him in prison for right. something that we don't actually know why he got in prison for. Right. It's all very ominous and ambiguous. I don't know. But anyway, and then he, like, cuts. This is the part that's weird with the mom. He cuts to, like, he has James Brolin tied up to, like, a chair or something. He cuts to, like, a video feed of the mom mm-hmm. somewhere else. He has her, like, locked away and, like, drugged up or something. Yes. Yeah. He drugs her. Thinking that she's at home in her kitchen. He drugs her caramel. Caramel corn. Caramel corn. He drugs her caramel corn so that as she eats it, she now thinks she's making dinner for... This movie takes place over, like, a three-day period, so... Right. So then, you know, Bowman tells uh, James Brolin, like, hey, if you don't do what I say, I'm gonna kill your wife. I don't wanna... And then, like, it's very weird. So he's like, okay, okay, I'll do what you want. What do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to use your disguise powers to help me steal the world's greatest treasures. Ah." So, yeah, that's a thing. That's what we're doing. This whole movie is very confusing and stupid. It makes no sense. Oh, the but plot let's, is. Let's not think about it too hard. Woof. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I think now's a good time for another review. Oh, okay. Another review of this, this sterling film. Keith Phipps from AB Club says ah. A film about as funny as A Seeping Wound. <laughs> I, I agree. Know. I've seen some funny seeping wounds. I don't know if that's... Oh, no. 
Yeah, so we then get a, a scene very uh, typical of a Happy Madison production, kind of making fun of other cultures, <laughs> essentially. Oof, um, so uh, this did not age well. Kind of does. Okay, I don't know if it would be considered blackface because he's not playing a black person. I, I, but let's just say Dana Carvey does brownface, and he does a pretty offensive portrayal of an Indian gentleman. Question is not who I am. The question is who are you? I know who I am. I am Prince Lanejama from the Ringy Dingy Heights near Bombay, Calcutta, and Nutelli, India, India, India. This is um, this is on the level of like it's it's rough, guys. It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, he has a turban on, and he's he has the makeup, the brown face he does makeup. The- he does the bad 7-Eleven accent that people yes. used to think like all Indian people did. Yes, and he has—he's a snake charmer because that's a thing. He's also like the prince of like whatever. He it's said. so. Oh my god. Side note: It's rough. okay. Ignoring the racism. Yeah. So the grandfather's plan mm-hmm. was to have Dana Carvey magically harness the force. Oh I yes, they—they to- explain this. Uh, Pistachio basically says, like, oh, well, you know, how is this special? Like, we're just putting on costumes and doing funny voices. And he's like, no, that's not what it is. Our special power is called Energico. It it, it allows you to become another person. Da, da, da. And Scott's like, it's the Force. And I'm like, basically, it's the Force? And uh, because they, the way they he describes it, that later. Well, like, the way they describe it is like it's like you feel another person, you can become. I'm like, it's, yeah. so it's basically the force. So he um, basically has to do like this mantra: become another person, become but, another person, and so, then he like basically like turns into this character. So, so now he's very stupid. So this cobra comes out, uh-huh. and he's supposed to snake charm this cobra. But what if it didn't work? What do you mean? What if he didn't? Harness the power of energy go <laughs> and say the, the word so and the cobra that he's supposed to be charming attacks him. He's being attacked by a cobra. Well, then the movie's over, Scott, and life would be wonderful. Well, this plan makes zero sense. So, and and then uh, there's like more training stuff where he goes to like this like dummy kind of thing. Oh, the slap dummy, yeah, the slapping dummy man. And the, the grandpa's like, you have to slap with an open hand. Because that will, Yes, and say, who's your daddy when you smack them? Because that because will leave that, them some dignity. Which makes no sense, because I would argue getting bitch slapped and saying, who's your daddy to someone would kind of strip them of their dignity. But what do I know? <laughs> I'm not a super spy. I'd rather be punched in the face. <laughs> and then we get another, like, you know, typical Adam Sandler, like, Happy Madison trope, which was like a random, haha, girls have fat butts. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah, is that random Jokes. scene? And it just comes out of nowhere and then it ends just as quickly. Well, like they're walking through this, like Grandpa and Pistachio are walking around with ice, cream. with ice cream. And then they see this fat booty on what they think is a woman. And then they t- he turns around and it's a, it's a man. And they're like, oh, and they swallow their ice cream and it's funny. Yeah, it, it, I, oh. I, I don't know. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Another joke that did not age well. It's just, it's not even that it doesn't age well, it's just not 
funny. Well, okay. Here's what really doesn't age well. What we get to next. Which oh. we get introduced to our love interest in this movie. Yes, there's a woman that's supposed to be eventually attracted to, to this, like, mentally ill <laughs> pistachio. I don't She's... understand anymore. Uh, um, okay, so Grandpa tells pistachio he has to find an assistant. Because, yeah, he's now one level 1.5 master of disguise. Oh, so they go through all these people and eventually they settle on uh, Jennifer Esposito whose character's name is Jennifer so that makes my life easier. And she's also the kid Barney from before on the skateboard. She's his mom. Yeah. So yeah, she interviews for the job and I hate this scene. Yeah. I hate it Frankie, so much. Literally, as she's I'm watching it, she's cringing. I hate like, it. It, it's uncomfortable. It's so, uh, so, okay. Oh, my God. So, they're ba- basically, the whole scene is them saying they don't know if she can do the job because her butt is tiny. Yep. And she's a skinny girl, and she's petite. Yeah, because he, he goes measurements, and she goes, oh, your, your butt's a 34. I'm like... And they're making fun of her because her butt is small. Mm, this cat has claws. Me like it. Me like it too. But this cat's got no mama caboose. <laughs> you guys know I can hear you, right? And then they're whispering about her while she's standing right there talking about her butt. And, and it, basically that's her only qualification. And they switch to, they switch to Italian. Pretty and her but butt even is still, uh, this woman was married to Bradley Cooper. Was she married to him? I'm pretty sure. Jennifer Espinosa? Well, just to put into, put into perspective, She's probably the only person in this movie. I mean, maybe besides Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. I keep saying James Josh Brolin. Maybe besides James Brolin. I don't know if he, what he did after this. I'm sure something of note. But she did, at, right after this, she did Crash, which was an Oscar winning film. Not that Crash is the greatest movie ever made. I mean, yeah, it has talk for another day. But it, she went from this to, to an Oscar winning best picture film like i don't understand this woman is not her agents are not the sharpest tools in the shed i guess but uh, maybe she maybe after this she fired her agent i don't know well also maybe it was true what she said in the movie that oh she yeah she to- had a whole thing where like they were like uh <laughs> the grandpa was like oh well you get paid in honor and dignity and pride and i'm like not for doing this movie and then <laughs> jennifer esposito goes I need cash. I'm like, oh, this is just her talking to the token producers. Like, I need the cash right now. Like, I got bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. He went on to do some James Rowland. He had Catch Me If You Can. He was on Monk. He did a lot oh, okay. after yeah. this. He's, he's fine. I mean, he's, again, he's a legend. So, but, you know, yeah. I guess every legend has their entitlement to a stinker. But anyway. Um, but yeah, they kind of. Uh, after this, they kind of shoehorn this whole, like, love interest nonsense with them, too. And it's like, okay, here's here's my thing with this. Mm-hmm. Because this is also kind of a trope in Adam Sandler movies, where, like, the schlub... Or the idiot, you know, or the... And this beautiful woman somehow inexplicably fall in love. You know, you see it in pretty much every Adam Sandler movie, like, Adam, uh, like Abby Gilmore, Billy Madison. And, like, the thing is, like, I'm one of those people that like the earlier Adam Sandler movies. Obviously, his newer films are, like, fucking trash and, like, 
he doesn't even give a shit anymore. Obviously, Adam Sandler, like, whatever. But in those movies, it, he's charming. He's charming, and they have some shrug. chemistry. Like, for example, like in um, like the Wedding dates. Singer or Fifty First Dates, even Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore have chemistry. In yeah. Happy Gilmore, him and they have chemistry. In yeah. Billy Madison, they have chemistry. There's some, you know what I mean. But in this, there's just nothing. It looks like it. It just seems She's struggling. so out of place. It just seems so out of left field when they do eventually get together it just seems so out of nowhere and there's no chemistry it just feels like she's like pitying this mentally unstable I give person her, I, I, I give her credit though why I mean she's she's not she's not bad in this it's just the movie is bad oh the movie's bad I give her credit because you know what even though it makes zero sense she at least puts up a good effort mm-hmm. a, a Lesser person would have been like, oh, God, I'm not even going to try for this, you know? Yeah. She at least tried to make Pistachio seem like, oh, yeah, I could possibly see this, but it doesn't work. She tries, though. Yeah. So before I move on, I just want to reference this one joke that they made at the little boy's expense. This poor little child actor who, after this movie, really didn't work much. I can't imagine why no. his career didn't he, take he off after, after this. He retired in 2007. Oh, my God. So, he he comes in, and the grandfather's like, oh, look, it's a talking baby. Ah, go away. And the little kid's like, I was, uh, I, oh, because he says, oh, go tell your mommy to change your diaper. And the kid goes, I was probably trained when I was two. And Pistachio goes, oh, yes, you are the conductor of the potty train. This is what we're working with, people. This is what I mean about odd tones. Because once we get, like, they kind further of in the, the plot, cricket sound effect. Once, we get <laughs> once we get further into the plot, there will be even more, like, adult references. And then you don't understand. What are they trying? Who are they? Who would they make this for? Who? Anyway, um, that's that's for you, Bob. We're gonna get Allison. <laughs> um, so yes, they go. The grandpa leaves because he can't directly help because rules. I don't know. And then the, the pistachio and Jennifer go digging around in the dumpster by the restaurant where the father was kidnapped to try and look for clues. So. They find this cigar in the in the yeah. dumpster, and Jennifer says, "Oh, look! This is from the a clue. This is from the Turtle Club." And Pistachio is like, mur, 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 "Just being stupid, you know." Which he does nothing in this movie, <laughs> nothing. She does everything, so they make fun of her ass for fucking ten minutes. Oh, we, and meanwhile, oh, they're like, "Oh, just a silly woman with no butt. She can't do anything. She'll be your assistant." Meanwhile, she does fucking everything also, to move the plot along. Notes. Plot, quote unquote, plot. Side note, along. We also missed the whole thing where the grandfather insults her when she asks, "Like, so how does this dental thing work?" Oh yeah, she's <laughs> asking about like her money and like her benefits because you know she's a single mom and she wants to get paid like this serious like question and he just goes you sicken me i'm like what the- you sicken me <laughs> what <is> that? <laughs> i'm like they- i hate this yeah. I- god and this is unfortunately a trope in some i think more later adam Sandler movies where they just like shit on women constantly i don't know why 
But anyway, yeah, I I don't know, man. Anyway, so they go to the Turtle Club. Yeah. And that's, oh, God, that's where we get to the scene. So this is probably the most um, iconic, iconic, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, (laughs) scene of the movie. This is the scene you all know. Um, Yeah. So I just want to share with you. Another. (laughs) No, I I don't want to share with you a a, a review. I want to share with you something that I read on IMDb. I'm not sure if it's true. Okay. Um, but if it is, my God, it's so indicative of what this movie is. So this movie was it was out in 2002, but it was filmed in late 2001. Now, I'm sure you all know something pretty major in our country happened in late 2001. Yeah. Um, they were supposedly, according to IMDb, filming this scene on September 11th, 2001. And they found out about it while filming and stopped briefly and had a moment of silence and then continued filming the Turtle Club the scene. The Turtle Club scene. They didn't send anybody home. Um, they no, continued filming no. the, the Turtle Club but scene. It's just, I feel like it's so indicative. It's such a perfect symbol that the like penultimate most notable scene in this movie was filmed on September 11th, the most tragic day in our country's history. But At like, least one of them. Yeah, like, I I hope it's true, but then I hope it's not at the same time. Um, so anyway, at the Turtle Club. Turtle, um, turtle. There's your hint, people. That was your hint. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the hint. And, like, I, not to, to be fair to this movie... I still do reference the Turtle Club line all the time. Am I not turtly enough for the Turtle Club? Not exactly, but am I not turtly enough for the Turtle Club? Turtle Club. Like, I reference it all the time. But this is another example of how, not to cut you off, but this is another example of how, like, she does everything. (laughs) And he does nothing. Like, he shows up in this big turtle outfit. Yeah. Walking around like an idiot for no reason. Like, why? Why? And then, like... She gets she, him in. She gets him in. She gets the information that they need about Devlin Bowman, so she connects the, 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 the cigar with with Devlin Bowman. But yeah, he is just bumbling around like an idiot. He bites off someone's doing nose. All oh, yes. That's another thing. This kiddish, like, cartoony tone of he like he like bumbles out into the with all these like fancy schmancy people and he bites off a guy's nose and then spits it back out onto his face like like what were you thinking doing that like what was the director like thinking doing that did someone write that in the script I want to know how much did someone Write that down. I want to know how much that effect cost. Oh, God. I don't know. It was a pretty shitty effect. I can't imagine it cost it, yeah. that much. But, I mean... Well, it, it's the only real, like, effect... Yeah, like, special effect. In this yeah, movie. Yeah, like, CGI, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, guys. We also, we also then get the transition where he starts spinning on the floor in the turtle suit. Yeah. And it transit it fades into the next scene, but it's, focusing on him still in the turtles. Yeah, it literally is like a cartoon. This movie. Um, 
And that's why, like... The transitions in this like, movie are terrible. They, they make it... They try to sell it to you like he's charming. But he's not. He just seems mentally ill. Like, it's... Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it's... You know what it is? It seems like a 40-year-old fan trying to play, like, a little boy. Yeah. Kind of. Who clearly is, like... Like, it's very odd. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's... Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so, moving on. We meet Jen, Jennifer's boyfriend, Trent, who's an asshole. Yeah. Um, he who picks hates on, her kid. Yeah, he picks on the kid, and he picks on um, Pistachio. Who then mocks his voice and starts trying to get into a fight with him. Yeah, it's... I don't know. So stupid. So, and then we get, like, throughout this whole thing, we get, like, several celebrity cameos. Yeah. With Devin Bowman uh, trying to, like, stealing, priceless, stealing priceless things. Like, for example, we get Jesse Ventura yeah. just, like, taking the Liberty Bell, like, going up to the yeah. people at the Liberty Bell, like, thanks for the bell, guys. I'll be right back. And, like, leaves. And then it's uh, James Brolin. Same thing later on with Jessica Simpson. Because it's 2000s, and she steals the lunar module. Yeah. Like, it's just... I think... Was that Jesse Owens? I think so. I think it was Jesse Owens. Yeah, there was Jesse Owens stealing the Constitution. Why? Just why? So, okay. So, they decide... Jesse Ventura, you were a predator, by the way. You were a predator. Yeah. I ain't got time to bleed. How mighty have fallen, I guess. You were the mayor of a city. No, he's a governor. Governor. Sorry, you were the governor of a state. So, Jennifer and Pistachio are in the nest, and they're doing research. And by that, I mean Jennifer is doing research, and Pistachio is being an idiot somewhere else with the dummy. Yeah, like, he's getting into a fight with a slap that. dummy. Fucking, God damn it! she does everything. <laughs> But her ass is too small, guys. She, she, she's, she's got a 34 ass. Oh my god. I hate it so much. Anyway, so she's doing research, and she finds Devlin Bowman online. She, and she, she reads his, like, bio, this apparently, is, on like, this website. His old high school yearbook quote. And it says, like, oh, I basically, I want to take over the world and... Steal all these priceless artifacts and hide them in my underground bunker. Sell them on the black market. I'm like... That's not a thing. Okay, that's not a thing someone would post about online, but okay, whatever. The internet, I guess, was a little new in 2002. <laughs> People didn't understand. That's not what you do. Frankie, Frankie, I'm going to hide your items in my underground bunker that you don't know about, but they're going to hide them down there. I already have stolen the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. I am but Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Okay, so Jennifer just decides, like, okay, we're going to go to this random toy convention because maybe Bowman will be there because he likes rare stuff. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of a grasping at straws, but okay. So they go but to But it's this... crazy enough that it might just work. Oh, so anyway, they go to this convention. Um, Dana Carvey dresses up like a woman because hilarity. An old woman. It's um, actually his best-looking... It's the funniest accent, too, because it's like, oh, you'll never, like, you'll never be with me. Oh, well, you're a tall drink of water, and I just love moisture. Sunny? Honestly, like funny, kinda. honestly, of his best, what do you think his best disguise in this movie is? 
probably the one that's not even in the movie. There's one in the credits that he does of like a big jolly man with like bubbles and stuff. I was that just, one's that one because at least that one it's kind of like the accent is actually good. His quint isn't bad. Yeah, he does. Well, we'll get there. Oh god. Anyway, so they're at this toy convention, and Dylan Bowman hits on Jennifer and invites her to this party at his mansion. So. Um, Hence, Jennifer gets this done again. Yeah, she again has to do everything while Pistachio just acts like an idiot. So the plan at the party is she it's like she's gonna go and look for clues at the mansion while Pistachio distracts Devlin Bowman. Uh, but the initial plan was to have her distract Bowman while he does the spying. Oh right, but then he did like a disguise, so he got like carried away. He becomes Scarface. Yes, he becomes Tony because Montana. Why? Not a chance. What else you got? Crab cakes. With your attitude, they should be called Krabby cakes. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you. Have you got a little wiener and some tiny nuts? Sorry. You know, I could tell just by looking at you. You had a little wiener and some tiny nuts. Oh, yeah. And because that's kids really understand. Referencing a better movie again. True. And again, making like a more adult reference that kids aren't going to understand. So like, who are you making this movie for? Whatever. So Jennifer's around the house. And tiny nuts. Oh god, I can't. So Jennifer is running around the house looking for clues. She finds these like Polaroids of like different celebrities and it's implied that like it's James Brolin like his different disguises. Um, Why he would take pictures of these disguises to like just have evidence around, I don't know. One of them being... But for the plot, I guess. <laughs> one of them being Whoopi Goldberg. How much did you get paid, Whoopi, to show up in the picture? I want to know. Oh, boy. Answer this on The View. This is a more important thing than anything you're talking about on The View. So then the goons end up chasing Pistachio dressed as Scarface. They end up chasing him off. Oh, because he... Goons because he ruins the party by, like, just dancing being crazy. So they end up chasing him off. And... Randomly, he, for some reason, changes into another character. He becomes Quint from Jaws. Dark-haired guy run by chief. Dark-haired guy go in the water. Shark in the water. Yeah, referencing another better movie. A much better movie. And also a reference that kids are not going to understand. So yeah, because they're going to pull Quint out. Um, and then he quickly changes out of that disguise and becomes just a piece a of cow pie. shit. <laughs> it's a cow pie. Which is, again, a perfect symbol for this movie. Dana Carvey dressed up like cow shit. Who then runs away and ends up back in the city. Yeah, he it's, it's the continuity is so weird. Like, he runs away and then he, he comes back as another character. But then... Yeah, he comes back as a... a, a like a Bavarian, like weird, like, Tax guy. evasion guy. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. And then, that's, he's like, oh, that's not gonna work. Try something else. And then they come down again with Jennifer and Bowman, and he's the suave guy. And he do, They do the shut up joke again. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Ugh, so funny. And he, he has his he little catchphrase of, yeah. uh, get, get, got got done. Yes, get it, got done. Like, he was expecting this character yeah. to have another... That's life. really what it seems like. It seems like a bunch of, like, failed SNL characters. That's what it seems like, almost. Could, very well could have been. So, yeah, so then he 
he uses that suave guy character to get Jennifer out of there. Well, Jennifer gets herself out of there, really. I mean, kind of, yeah, basically. Another example of her doing everything. Oh, yeah, I got a letter from the English government. I did too. receive a letter <laughs> from this man, so I'm going to go now. So Jennifer and Pistachio are in a bar, and they're talking about this, uh, like, these clues they got, and Pistachio comes to the conclusion that they're using the dad to, just, like, bring on different disguises and steal all this stuff, and uh, somehow they come to this conclusion. So, suddenly they look over, and they see Jennifer's boyfriend on a date with Pistachio's ex-girlfriend. Who? She wasn't dating him initially. She was dating the bully of the restaurant. Right, yeah, it's, I don't know. She's a slut, apparently, with a big butt. So, he ends up, Pistachio ends up beating up the boyfriend, and, like, you know, for some reason, I guess this gets Jennifer all hot and bothered, and suddenly she's attracted to him now, and she's, like... Well, Jennifer and his ex-girlfriend are now both attracted to him. Yeah, but she, he pushes the ex-girlfriend away with the big butt, and takes the little butt girl home. And then shoves the bully to the floor because he yeah. shows up now. So then they he walks Jennifer home and suddenly <laughs> they're attracting like he's suddenly she's attracted. She's trying to him, real hard. And they kissed and I feel yucky inside. Yeah, he calls her And I wanna go to before bed. They kiss, <laughs> before they kiss he calls her the Future mother of my babies. Future mother of my which babies. Which is, I mean, very attractive. Uh, fat cat in a fat cat mom with a red dress on. Yeah, which and, is again super attractive. And mentions her tiny butt also. So before they kissed. So they part ways after they kiss, and it's supposed to be romantic, I guess, and then. Pistachio's like, I have to come up with a plan now. Okay, what do we do? So he goes to the roof of the restaurant to consult. Before um, the grandpa left, he left him a, like, crystal ball type yes. thing, which is basically, like, a deus ex machina machine yes. <laughs> where he can talk to his grandfather. So he pulls out the ball of knowledge, and he talks to the a big, like, that's what it's called, I think. I know, but the ball. I know. But it's basically like a Wizard of Oz projection of Harold Gould. And he's like, I'm a pre-recorded hologram. What is your question? Yeah. <laughs> In like a ridiculous Italian accent. And um, he's like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. What do I do? What what should I do next? And all of a sudden, the little kid Barney runs in. And he's like, ah, my mom's been kidnapped by this guy with this cigar. And he's like, oh, Devlin Bowman has kidnapped your mother. She's probably, she's fine. <laughs> like, and, it's so and stupid. Frankie, of course, the goes, no, she's probably dead. Kid. Yeah, like, literally. But also, she ran the, away the, from this fucking movie. Also, the pre recorded voice suddenly can respond to yeah, this boy it showing make any up. sense. Because then the boy's like, well, why don't you dress up? Oh, because he's like, oh, well, we have to figure out what I should disguise myself as next to get into Bowman's mansion. And the kid's like, well, why don't you disguise yourself as. And the grandmother's like, shut up, we don't want to hear from you, little kid. And. But Pistachio's like, no, 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 let's hear him out, you know? And then he whispers in his ear, and he's like, oh, that's crazy. So crazy, it just might work. And then we go into the next scene. Uh, so we find out um, what he has disguised himself as to get into Bowman's mansion, and it's fucking stupid. <laughs> what a shock. 
And it, it implies that the kid came up with this idea and Pistachio also thought it was a good idea. He's my cherry pie. A cool drink of water, such a sweet surprise. Oh, it's not a sweet <laughs> surprise at all. So he dresses up. Well, he is pushed in on a tray, basically, is a, a cherry pie. And inside the cherry pie is basically Dana Carvey in a big cherry squishy suit. Which, it's hard to explain, I guess. But How he hid in the pie. Yeah, it's it's stupid and it makes no fucking sense. What a shock. Also, the dog broke in perfectly fine. And he, like, is running away, like, evading all the goons in the mansion. And he spits out cherry pits like bullets because it's a cartoon, remember? Oh, Kids yeah. are laughing at this hysterically. Um, it's like keys in that case. So before we get to Bowman's, like, master plan here, um, and, like, the kind of climax of our film, I think we need another review. So yeah, let's let's do one more review here. Okay, Jamie Russell at BBC said, <clears throat> "Never has eighty minutes seemed like such an eternity." Oh yeah. And my God, is that true? Like this movie is so short. It, it really is incredibly short. Yet it seems like, especially Ouch. at the end, and we'll talk about it when we get there. But it seems like it lasts forever. <laughs> oh, we also forgot. I we totally forgot the fart joke. Oh my god! Oh yeah, we have to talk about this. Okay, so before we get into Bowman's like master plan and the climax, um, Bowman has this thing where like every time he says something like some like you know evil thing, he does this like quintessential evil laugh, and then it is immediately followed by a fart. <laughs> every time. Yep. That's like, that's his... this joke is repeated. Ten times. Like, ten, ten times, times throughout times. the whole movie. It is, like, the quintessential crux joke of this movie. Like, this is what they're hanging their hat on, essentially. So, I mean, my God. <laughs> um, it's that and the shut up joke. Yeah, there's... I don't know, guys. I really don't. It's... I don't know. It's exhausting. It hurts. Think. It hurts my head to think about how this was made. It, really it, it, it hurts my head to go, okay, a ton of people sat in a room and go... What if the villain, every time he equally laughs, farts? And it's like, <gasps> the thing is, like, it's not like fart jokes are always unfunny. But, like, and, like, this one isn't even, like, I laughed because it's so ridiculous. But, like, I don't know, man. It's just the whole, I feel like a fart joke in this movie is just so. Unnecessary? Not even that. It just kind of adds to the ridiculousness of the whole thing and the lack of honestly consistent tone. Honestly, I think it would have been funnier if the villain was 100% serious the whole time. <laughs> like, he's in a different movie. Like, the villain is like... Actually, I forgot to mention also because um, this movie won a Kid's Choice Award. This one? Well, actually, no. It was nominated for Kids' Choice Award. Oh, I was going to say, So, this, this movie was nominated for Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Fart in a Movie, which is a, a, a category, apparently, at one point at um, Kids' Choice Awards, because, you know, for kids. So, if nothing else, oh. Brett Spiner has that under his belt. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brett Spiner. I am. I, I'm, I feel bad for you. This should not be on your acting credits. But Yeah, I mean, he's honestly the only one that I genuinely feel bad for. Because, like, he was in Star Trek, so, like, he clearly, like, I mean, he's fine, but, like... 
Yeah, he he, he made Star Trek money. Uh, but still, he seems like the most genuinely charming actor in this. Well, James Brolin is. Well, he's barely in this, really. Yeah, but he he he's a charming son of a bitch. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's handsome too. I feel like in his day he was very handsome. Oh, damn straight he was. But um, so anyway, let's let's get to the the climax. Yes. The 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 wonderful climax of this movie. So Bowen's plan is to essentially auction off all of these like things that he has gotten. Like he has the Constitution, the Lunar Module. There's like Ruby Slippers, the Liberty Bell, Oz, Liberty Bell. He wants to auction them all off on the black market and use Jennifer as, like, his auction girl, like his Vanna White, you know? Yeah, to flip the letters. And then the plan is to disguise Fabrizio, uh, James Brolin, as Devlin Bowman and fake his own death. Yes, have him jump off a cliff. So he can, like, escape with all of his money. Yes. So Pistachio, after his, like, cherry infiltration, he dresses up like a henchman and, like, sneaks into the main room, you know, to try and infiltrate, but then he's discovered by Bowman. Because he's still wearing cherry shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, this leads to a huge fight. With ninjas. With ninjas, because why not? I mean, he clearly has lots of money, apparently. <laughs> so, Dana Carvey ninjas at the ready, just with a gong. Dana Carvey come out. has one move. He blocks the punch with his left hand and slaps with his right hand. Correct. The whole time. And beats 30 ninjas. He defeats all of the ninjas. And then, randomly, the movie remembers, oh yeah, the mom's like still a part of this movie. So they cut to the mom. And Bone's like, oh, I'm gonna get your mom now. Fuck you. And then the mom's just like, Pacha! And he... And knocks out the guy. She knocks out the guy. Who's about to kill her. And she goes... No, no more camera one for me. me. And I'm like, oh. like, you could have done that this whole time? Okay, honey. The whole time? And I'm sure in her mind, she's like, now give me my paycheck so I can go home. <laughs> so then, the grandpa shows up randomly because we need him now at the end can, of this well, movie. Well, now he can, he can interfere now. And then Bowman, kind of as a last-ditch last effort, he sets Fabrizio loose on them. And he has the Devlin Bowman mask on, and apparently in his weakened state, he has, because he's, like, so tired of all these, like, different disguises, and he's out of it, so he was kind of being able to be brainwashed into thinking he's actually Devlin Bowman. And they make a reference to Star Wars, which made Scott want to kill himself, because he's like, oh, he's on the dark side of energy, go now. And then Dana Carvey goes, the dark side? Exactly like Star Wars? And I was oh. like, oh boy, I forgot about that line, so I, like, died a little inside. But anyway. I'm crying. Um, so, yeah, Pistachio tries to get through to his dad, and eventually he does. Uh, he, like, talks to him, and he <laughs> takes out his underwear. Oh, yeah, because that happened earlier in the movie where... It, yeah, well, in the beginning of the movie, when we're introduced to him, he has his underwear on his head. And he's like, ah. So, when he's trying to get through to his father, he takes off his underwear like, through his pants somehow, and puts it on his head. It's like, Daddy, remember? <laughs> oh, my underwear on my head, like when I was a little boy. So I used to go to the gym and wear underwear on my head. Yeah, I don't know. So, eventually, you know, he shakes off the mask, because that's yeah. a, here's the thing I don't understand, too, about these powers, okay? <laughs> these 
special powers that they have, <laughs> these disguises. It makes no sense because the father, Fabrizio, yes. when he has his powers, yes. he's able to completely transform into these celebrities because these celebrities Perfectly. make cameos. Like, like Jeff, Jessica Simpson, she's in the movie. Jesse Ventura, in the movie. So... You were Jesse the Body Ventura. You are... All right, let it go, Scott. <laughs> so... But you see what I'm saying? Like, he's actually the people. When Pistachio does it, he becomes... He's himself. Like, he's clearly himself in, like, prosthetics and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, what are these... Pro- and then, like, Fabrizio literally, like, takes off, like... It looks like, like a... A rubber mask. Like a rubber mask when he's unmasking himself. But then, in this part where he's unmasking himself as Bowman, he, like, literally shakes it off. Like, it's like... Like, he got, like, covered in, like, the rain. Like, it's yeah. just, like, shaking off. Like, it's so weird. I don't understand it. But I guess no one really understands the forest. Anyway. <laughs> Scott wants to murder me. Um, so he gets there to his dad, but Bowman escapes with the Constitution. So, but, you know, it's a, it's a happy ending, I guess. Yes, he marries uh, Jennifer Esposito. He marries Esposito. Jennifer Esposito. Which they can't even show the wedding because God knows she did not want to be there for that. Um, well, actually, they have it in the blooper reel for some reason. Like, in the credits. I don't know. Anyway, we'll get to the fucking credits in a minute. But the ending scene is essentially um, uh, Pistachio. Doing Dana Carvey's favorite sketch from when he was his <sighs> SNL character. Yeah. Well, he did... I think he did, like... H.W. Bush. He did. In this movie, he, do, he does a George Bush impression. This is W. Uh, yeah, George W. Bush. And he finds Bowman, like, on an island somewhere, like, hiding away. And the grandfather and the father are both disguised as his henchmen. And they basically corner him, take the Constitution back, and push him in the pool. And the movie ends on yet another fart joke. Yes, where he dies. In the pool. And the, the water erupts with a big fart. And that's basically how we end the movie. And then we go into like a 10 minute credit sequence. Oh my god. This felt... Um, I know. Okay. Filled with both like... De- it seems like deleted scenes. And extra scenes. And yeah. Well that's what I mean. Deleted well de- yeah. Deleted scenes as well as bloopers. And like just random, like, characters. Like, a couple of them weren't even in the movie. Like, he does a Groucho Marx, I think, yeah. impression. He has, like, uh, a toy guy. A t- like, a toy, like, like bubbly, like, fat guy impression. Well, the... But, I know by the latest, but there was also extra scenes, like... They have a gladiator yeah. character. It's uh, so stupid. But, yeah, they have extra scenes where he gets into, like, a fight... Uh, he opens the slap box, and it's a Oh, oh yes, at the very end. A of little it, person. Yeah, at the very end of it, they have like a, a closing like epilogue scene where Pistachio is playing with the slapping dummy, and he opens it up, and there's a little person inside, and he ends up chasing Pistachio around. And at the very very end, they're like just sitting in the restaurant talking, and then Pistachio looks at the camera, and he's like, "Oh, what are you guys still doing here?" And we're it's like. We're like, yeah, I know. What are we still doing here? I don't know. It was like Matthew Broderick-ing us. Yeah, basically Ferris Bueller-ing us. You're still here? It's over. Go home. 
Go. Like, get out. The movie's over. Bye. <laughs> now, I know, being that I've seen Lord of the Rings, this felt longer than Return of the King. And that has, like, three separate endings. I mean, I, yeah, I haven't seen. I'm not a Lord of the Rings gal, but, yeah, this is, like, because they're trying to push it to 80 minutes, I think. So it, it Because without this, the movie is, like, 65 minutes long, I think. Oh, God. So, yeah, it's really not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know, guys. This movie is crazy. Um, I honestly, though, I did enjoy watching it because I did enjoy making fun of it. Oh yeah, I like, I love like I honestly, like, in all honesty, I know I own this movie because I liked it as a kid, but I don't. I before this, I didn't keep it with like my movie collection. I had quite a collection in my house of my like movies. I didn't keep with them because I was kind of embarrassed that I owned it, <laughs> so I kind of hid it away somewhere. But I did find it yes. when I wanted to watch The Stinkers. I was like, oh, that's a good one. I know I have it somewhere, and yeah. I found it. Frankie actually uh, cut a hole in the floor, dug up about yeah. six feet deep, yeah. went into another room. Exactly. Had I, like, had it hidden in the floorboards, <laughs> like, fucking Edgar Allan Poe. I heard it, like, I heard, like, the turtle cup, like, turtle. scene, turtle. like, underneath the floorboards, like, calling to me. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I did pull it out. It was really fun watching it happy uh, I but like that's a fun cause see I like to watch So Bad It's Good I, I feel like that's a So Bad It's Good movie it's not good like in like genuinely yeah, I know. quality but like it's yeah. fun to just watch it and make fun of oh, it oh yeah it's, yeah it's probably that yeah I'll so like that. I'm okay with owning it now I, I feel I feel better about owning it now <laughs> I'm okay I can live with it after an hour and 20 minutes of us just ripping on it this is yeah. where I wish you had video, people. I wish you had video. But, like, yeah, like, again, like, I feel like maybe watching bad movies for fun is an acquired taste, but I feel like it is, it, it is fun. I feel like The Room kind of started that trend when <laughs> The Room got really big, but, like, yeah, it's fun. I also own The Room. So, oh, that's fine. I mean, how is that fine, but this isn't fine? The room, at least. Wait, okay. Quality-wise, which is better, this or the room? The room. Really? Hands down. I... Mm. I would rather watch the room than watch this. I feel like it's a tougher decision than what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily, but I feel like I'd have to think about it. I feel like I wouldn't make that decision so easily. There's, there's part, like... There's parts of the room... Because there's no part of the room that's... I mean, there's no part of this that's genuinely good, but there's no part of the room that's genuinely good either. No, there's no part of the room that's genuinely good. But, but I feel like, I like both you can laugh at genuinely yes, and how stupid they are. I laugh, but the thing is, I laugh a lot more at the room than I laugh at this. These felt like a bunch of sketches that were thrown together that did not need to be thrown together. I Yeah, I kind of agree with that. But then you can make the same argument for the room, because the room is like a fucking clusterfuck. Oh, the room is a clusterfuck, but it's also... You have people... You have Dana Carvey and Adam Sandler behind this. They had done movies before. Yeah. I mean... You had Tommy Wiseau behind the room. Yeah, that's true. But I... To be fair, though, I mean... I think by this point, it had been a while since... Ha like... Also... Uh, Adam Sandler had, like, a hit. And Dana Carvey... 
never had like a hit movie. Well, like, yeah, he yeah. had Wayne's World, but he that's not he's he had Mike Myers for yes. that. So like he never had a movie by himself where he was like the star. And since then, I don't think he has either. Since this, no, he's done voiceover stuff after this. Yeah. Um, and I think this definitely killed his career, and he also fell out with Mike Myers after he said Mike Myers stole the Doctor Evil character from him. Which, um, even if it's true, which I didn't know that until you mentioned it right before we started, but if that's true, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I feel like if he did Doctor... I'm trying to picture Dana Carver, Carvey doing Doctor Evil, and it doesn't track well with my brain. So, uh, who knows if that's true or not, but um, I think... But that voice... The thing is, you also have to look at this. That voice drives me crazy. The pistachio voice. Oh yeah, it's like a little kid. It's like it's like if a little kid was doing like a funny voice, basically. I, I don't feel like there's any of that in the room that would drive me that crazy. Um, well, it's. I mean, Tommy was so's voice in general. It's not as bad as pistachios. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. I don't know. I think they're very um similar in quality and laughability. But anyway, I think before we um we rate this movie, uh we should How are we rating it like oh, a serious movie well, or well, well, before we rate this movie okay. let's uh I wanna do I I saved the best review for last. Okay, hey, this. Um I, I just wanna get the last uh review for this gem in here. Um Matt Singer from Screen Crush says, ahem, in a 40-year career in horror, David Cronenberg never dreamed up an image as chilling or stomach-churning as Dana Carvey as a human turtle. (laughs) And by God, I think that's true. Because, I mean, where do you even come up with the idea? Like, what is the purpose of that? Like, you know what would be funny? I'm just trying to picture it in my brain. Dana Carvey and Harris Goldberg sitting in a room together like, okay, you know what would be really funny? What if I dressed up like a giant turtle man and had a weird like, me voice and okay. just became like a turtle man? Okay. Now, let, let me thinking about it this way. The turtle club is a real thing. Mm-hmm. The real thing of rich people, blah, 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 funny, funny. As a sketch, if you just had to be a singular sketch where he comes in and causes havoc as a turtle-dressed man trying to join the turtle club mm-hmm. could be funny. But in the premise of I that mean, being a okay. part of this movie and part of the plot moving forward, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Yeah. So, as a, again, as a scene, it could work. But in the whole point of a movie, it, it does not add anything to the movie. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. I feel like that's something that can be said for most of the scenes in this movie. Like, it doesn't add anything and it's just weird. It doesn't make any sense. It isn't funny. But again, it's like, you know, a, a big like, uh, someone thinking that the Turtle Club means that people will dress up like turtles or whatever. That's something a kid would think. So it's like, were you making this for, like, because you wanted to make a movie that your kids could watch, which, like, a lot of celebrities, I feel like, do that. Like, they want to make, like, uh, Scorsese made Hugo because he wanted to make a movie that his kids could watch. 
That makes sense well, in my brain. Well, you look at but, a bunch of people like that. Raul Julia, his last movie was Street Fighter because his kids wanted him to be in Street Fighter. Right. <laughs> but then if you're doing that, then don't put references to Scarface and Jaws in there because kids aren't going to get it. <laughs> well, okay. And, like, don't put references to, like, well, fucking, like, girls' fat butts and, like... Well, yeah, that, that doesn't belong. Well, okay. Every kid's movie. Every kid's movie. And, and don't... I mean, it's just in general, don't put, like... Indian stereotypes and well, yeah, anti-feminist true. like bullshit in there. Like I hate it. But, I hate it so much, but I love it also because it's terrible. Every kid's movie though has some adult humor in it. It might right. I know I get that. You know, but it's it's the culmination of everything. Right. No, I totally get that. I'm not saying you can't have adult humor in a kids movie, but at the same time, it's like the tone has to be consistent. Yes, that's true. And it's not at all on this. So, alright. I think for rating this... Are we rating this like a serious movie? Obviously, as a serious movie, we would both rate this a zero. Yes. Out of five stars. That's obvious. But I think bad movies are like... Like, knowingly so bad it's good movies that we're watching genuinely as stinkers. Okay. Or so bad it's good entertainment. What would you rate it as? As a so bad it's good movie. On that scale, I probably it's probably around a three. I would say like a three and a half. I I honestly I got more enjoyment out of watching this than I thought I would. Just making fun of it with you, which I I do enjoy. I think if you haven't just sat down with a loved one or a, a buddy, a group of friends, or a group of buddies, and watched a bad movie and like ripped it to shit, you should try it sometime because it's fun. Yeah, agreed. You know, you kind of feel like a Mystery Science Theater 3000. If you've never seen that show, look it up. I think they have some, like, old episodes on, like, Netflix or something. But it's basically just a bunch of guys sitting in a room watching, like, old shitty movies and, like, making fun of them the whole time and doing jokes. That's basically what you yeah. can do in this scenario. So it's it's fun. And, you know, obviously the plot is ridiculous and... Dana Carvey's awful, and nothing plot. makes any sense. Yeah, I use the term plot loosely, but, um, yeah. But it works. It, it works as a so bad it's good movie, I think. Yeah. A solid 3, 3.5. It, it's, our negative, the... it's our negative 3 out of negative 5. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that was that was fun. That that was about an hour and a half of our life that we'll never get back. Yes. Um, so that was great. Um, <laughs> so next week, Scotty's going to be showing me, uh, his, uh, yes, my stinker. his stinker, which also has the clue of turtle. turtle, which I'm concerned about, but, um, yeah, we'll find out what that is next week. Indeed. And then after that, guys, um, we did discuss, just to give you a little heads up, what we're going to do through the end of 2019, um. Uh, we're going to have a couple of Christmas episodes coming up yes. after our stinker episode next week. Mm-hmm. And then, um, obviously, um, Christmas Day falls on a Wednesday, so we won't be posting that day. But then after that, um, we will be starting uh, a whole new year and a whole new batch of Shoot the Flick episodes. Yes. So we're really excited. We've been doing this podcast for about two months now. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, basically the sister podcast to our original podcast, 17 Milligrams, yes. that we do with our friends Mike and Richard. 
Um, okay. And we've been having a lot of fun doing it, so we hope you guys enjoy it um, as well. And if you want to give us suggestions for movies that you want to see us talk about, or yes, because we're willing to do movies we either of us have neither of us have, have seen. If you want us to review them, yeah, absolutely. So we're we're down to clown on anything really. Um, and if you just want to. You know, share us and like let your friends know that we're Definitely halfway that. decent and they should watch us and listen to us. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Yeah, I mean, do all that good stuff because, you know, we want to keep doing this as long as possible. Indeed. So, yeah. So this has been Shoot the Flip, Indeed. an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I am Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Spotify, iTunes. Anchor and Google Podcast, as well as our Twitter and our Instagram at Shoot the Flick. And make sure you come back next week to check out our next Inker review. Uh, should be quite the nightmare. <laughs> yes, should be. All right, guys, we will see you next time. If wanted, do it. Done. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>